Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in today. My name is Dave Riesinger with Redeemed Church Online and we have a, an amazing um, deal that we're launching on November 9th, that's this Monday. And we want you to be a part of it, whether you're a part of the Redeemed Church community or not. Um, this is going to be revolutionary, but it's gonna challenge us a little bit. Today, I wanna talk about fasting. The title of this series that we're gonna enter into is fasting to feast. When we give up food or deny ourselves things in this temporary world, it allows us to have the ability and the privilege of feasting on things that are eternal and things that matter the most. And so we are, uh, we're going to invite you to go to redeem.church forward slash fast for more details. Um, and then we're going to break this fast uh, the day before Thanksgiving. And so there's a lot of different ways we can fast. There's lots of different biblical fasts. Not a lot, but there's a few. You can do the Daniel fast where you just eat vegetables and nuts and, and you cut out the bread and the sugar and the you know, yogurt covered Skittles and, and all that good stuff. Um, there's a uh, food and water fast only, I mean a, a water fast and no food. Um, I'm on the Twix ice cream only diet. And so I'm fasting everything else, I'm kidding. Um, and then uh, there's other things. The Bible says uh, one version was uh, fasting from sex in marriage. Let me say that again, in marriage um, for a time. And then he says, oh, but come together quickly so that Satan doesn't tempt you. There's lots of ways we can fast, but the whole point of it is to deny the cravings of the body and this carnal nature so that we can give ourselves more to experiencing the creative, authoritative um, power of God and so that we can bring things behind the veil into the visible. Um, it's, it's incredible when you really commit to fast, the supernatural miracles of healing and restoration that take place in our lives. And so um, we're gonna encourage you to write down prayer targets, um, we're going to have something online that you can look at, fill in your personal targets that you're, you're going to circle in prayer and you're going to fast with expectation and uh, you're going to believe that God is going to bring it to pass. And then we've got some prayer targets for Redeemed Church that we're going to ask you just take a few minutes every day um, and when you would normally eat a meal or prepare a meal, how many know that if, you, if you're the cook in the house, it takes a long time to get all this stuff out, make it, feed, clean up. So think about all that time freed up um, just even a meal or two a day and giving some of that time to the Lord to pray and seek him. Uh, and so we're going to talk about that. But have you ever had one of those times in your life? One of those, um, why didn't someone tell me sooner scenarios? You know what I mean? Like, how did I not know about this? This is awesome. And I'm just finding out. Um, I experienced this a couple ways. One was the voice commanded remote control. Have you ever had the remote control? Some of you have it right now. So you're, you're going on to Netflix or on demand, trying to order up a voodoo movie, not, not a movie on voodoo, but like it's an app, Never mind. Um, but we had this remote and like one button would literally take 300 pounds of pressure per square inch. And, and, and so you'd be clicking up and like, I'm, I'm just like, my thumb is about to break, trying to like get it and point it in the right direction. And then another button was like a hair trigger. You know, you hit it and it, it, it puts two or three letters in. And, you know, there was, before I lose my salvation with this remote, I would just hand it to my kids and, uh, cause I want to keep my cool. And then I discovered, oh, there's voice commanded, uh, remote control. So like, how did I not know about this? 
why didn't somebody tell me this sooner? You just literally push a button and, and you just say Christian hunting channel or Christian boxing HD or Christian shopping network. Everything's Christian. No matter what you just say Christian in front of it. So, so we can watch whatever you don't judge me. But I was like, man, why didn't someone tell me this existed? Right? Uh, another one, this is a true story. Um, most of my stories aren't true. So I had to clarify that. I'm kidding. So, uh, but Kiwis, come on, raise your hand if you love some Kiwis. You know, when you get that fruit salad um, and they put in all that cheap filler fruit, but then you're in line and you go for the strawberries, the blueberries and the Kiwi. I'm the dude who picks all that out and leaves everybody with the cantaloupe or whatever that cheap stuff is. But I, I just realized, because you got to kind of work at a Kiwi. I just realized like six months ago, you can actually eat the whole Kiwi. You can eat the peel and it's actually beneficial for you. I've been crushing Kiwis. Like why did, I'm 32 years old and no one's to, a little older than 32, but no one's told me this and it actually tastes better. And here's the thing. I hope that this prayer and fasting series to you is the same thing. Like why didn't someone tell me or explain this to me? Why didn't I know that fasting could be so revolutionary and so life-changing? And so that's what the goal is on this series. And so if we're going to get there though, um, then we need to revisit why fasting is important, why it's necessary and, and why it's powerful. You know that the disciples did not fast. Well, if they didn't fast, then why do we fast? I mean, Jesus fasted. So why do the Pharisees say, hey, hey your, your disciples don't fast? Well, Jesus was with them. And he said, while the bridegroom's here, you know, it's, it, it, there's no need to fast. I'm, I'm with them. But there's a time coming soon where they're going to fast. And Jesus didn't, didn't even make it really optional. He's like, you're, this just needs to be a part of your existence. Because when I'm away from you, I'm going to send the Spirit to live in you. Um, but to stay connected, to stay deeply connected in intimate fellowship, we're going to need to go through these times where we deny self to draw close to Him. And so um, these are some of the things that we want to dive into. I think one of the reasons that fasting is so rare in the body of Christ today, it's one of those kind of missing disciplines, and yet it, it is one of the most impactful disciplines. But it's because most of us see fasting as physical agony instead of spiritual opportunity. You get that? Like when you think about fasting, what's the first thing that comes to mind? It's probably not, dude, I get to be in the presence of God in such a way that my mind is clear and my, my heart is soft. Our first thought isn't that. It's like, oh man, I got to give up Mickey D's. Like, come on, man. Like I drive by that Chick-fil-A every day. And the, and, and the sandwiches be calling me and calling me, right? You know what goes through your mind. You got, oh man, well, you know what? I'll start my fast. I literally just started my fast a little earlier than we're asking everybody else, but wanted to get a jump on it. And I looked in my pantry and I had thoughts going through my head. Like I had little demons, like little snack demons. They exist around my pantry. And they were like, dude, you got all these bags of chips that aren't eaten yet. Like, you're just going to waste them? And I'm like, away from me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men, right? But I was looking at it. I'm like, and I just took and I just threw them all away. I'm like, they're not good for me anyways. And uh, I didn't want the temptation there. But we, we have this like, ah, 
I don't want to give that up. And so it's, it's physical agony over spiritual opportunity. It, or most see it as the things that I have to give up versus the eternal things that I get to attain. And so we have to look at fasting from a different perspective. It has to be not about what I'm losing, but about what I'm gaining. You know, at the end of the day, the reason that I'll just conf- I'll make a confession here. Like food is a medication to me. Um, I work out a lot. Um, uh, I'm not uh, as chiseled as I once was, but I-, I burn a lot of calories, but I eat a lot of calories. And sometimes it's a stress reliever. Um, and sometimes what I'm looking for is I'm looking for inner peace, but I, I-, I settle for false peace in the form of Twinkies um, or in the form of that extra bowl of popcorn with the butter melted on it. And, and literally it's like, yeah, it tastes good, but I'm actually trying to find like some comfort that I know deep inside is only going to come from the Lord. Um, some people, uh, you know, it, I mean, think about it. There's so many things. It doesn't have to be evil things, but when I deny myself those things, I realize like, wow, what I'm attaining by denying myself, I am hungry in the body, but I am feasting in the spirit. We're, we see that our body stops controlling us when we fast. We see that our spirit man is now leading our soul and our soul is commanding our body in that order. That's called integration. And when we don't have that and the body's in control and the soul's in the middle and the spirit's fighting against the other parts of us, that's called disintegration. That's when our life with Christ is not integrated. So fasting helps us get on track with that. And so if, if, if I'll let the Holy Spirit fix my expectations on the miraculous harvest, it will give me beautiful perspective and power over the hunger I feel while I'm fasting. So let me tell you about my first experience and why I kind of had a real hard time for years after this with fasting. I had just received Jesus out of a wild lifestyle and uh, I, uh, I was a new Christian, I think I was uh, 17 years old, and just got involved in the youth group. And they took uh, the youth pastor and another guy, they were about 25 years old, and they took about 15 of us guys up to a camping trip for three days. And this was gonna be a fasting and prayer camping trip with young men the ages of 16 to 20, and then these older leaders. Um, so this is gonna be three days in the woods, no food, just water, just worship, prayer, Bible study. We're gonna have this incredible spiritual encounter, but I got a trivia question or two for you. Number one, name the hungriest demographic on the planet. It is young males between the ages of 16 and 20 years old. Uh, second trivia question, let's see if you can get it. This is a tougher one. Name the hangriest demographic on the planet. Hangry means when I'm hungry, I want to break windows and I want to bust through doors with my head. Okay, this is also 16 to 20 year old males. So we get talked into this by our youth pastor. It's going to be epic. We're going to meet with God. I mean, I'm barely saved, you know, and, and so were a lot of these dudes. So we get up there, unpack the stuff, walk down 40 steps, 40 steps, okay, down this hillside. We set up camp. It all starts good, but we're making runs up and you're already getting tired, right? And, uh, and so day one was incredible. We're around the campfire. Open the eyes of my heart, God. We start singing and Sonic Flood. Remember Sonic Flood? 
And, and, and it's like, dude, this is going to be epic. And then after worship, you start to feel the rumble in the, in, in, in the tummy. And all of a sudden, it just declined so fast. It, it went from like in the presence of God to the most miserable scene you've ever laid eyes on. Day two, we, we get out there. We're, I mean, literally, I'm not exaggerating. There's guys laying on picnic benches, moaning like moaning and complaining. And can we please, this is stupid. I want out. Like, can I go home? And I mean, it was just the most miserable, pathetic sight you've ever seen. Guys are like fighting with each other, not fist fighting, but just arguing with one another. And, and so here I am, I go up and I meet with the two leaders and I'm just the new guy, but this is when I discovered I had the gift of influence. I said, Hey, look, man, I'm, I'm shaky and I'm super lightheaded and I'll keep this between us, but could you guys please just make a run at McDonald's? And there's a trail up here. When you come back, I'll meet you by this juniper tree that has this other thing by it. Um, could you just please do it? So I talked these guys into it. These are our youth pastors, okay? Well, you better not tell anybody, Dave. So they, they make the run, and I'm like, give me, uh, you know, give me that apple pie, you know, a couple of the apple pie. I mean, it was just ridiculous. It, was, it wasn't like sustain me for a moment, it was like gluttony. And so they come back and literally pull over like it was a drug deal in the woods. And they hand me this bag out of the window like I'm a wild animal. And I crawl into the woods so the other dudes wouldn't see me. And there I am, literally, sitting underneath these branches and I'm feasting on McDonald's while my brothers in the community are moaning on picnic benches. So anyways, this, I, we go back and they start getting suspicious. And it was like, uh, why are you guys so happy? Like something's up. Like there's no way that you have this kind of joy. Like you ate, didn't you? Where did you go? And so one of them, they sent a scout, started snooping around. They found a McDonald's wrapper and we were busted. And then all of a sudden like division broke out in the camp of the Israelites and arguments ensued and our time with God um, turned really bad and then we all took a trip to McDonald's, fed them and came back and had really half-hearted worship. All that said, I know that was kind of a long story, but I, that was my picture of fasting. So anytime the pastor would say, hey, we're going to go on a fast, I'd be like, nah, I don't want anything to do with that. But here was the issue. Uh, the intentions were good, but it needed better revelation. Uh, we knew what we were doing, but we didn't really know why we were doing it. When the hunger pains came, it was just like, what, endure? And somehow if I like resist the hunger, that somehow God's going to do something? No, it's about getting focused on what we are trying to accomplish with God in our hearts, breakthroughs and miracles. And so it took me some time until I actually experienced a fast where my perspective was right and it wasn't on hunger, it was on a harvest. Let me read you a couple quotes on uh, fasting because fasting is feasting on fellowship with God. This is Hudson Taylor. He was a missionary to China. He says this, this is so powerful. In Shanxi, I found Chinese Christians who were accustomed to spend time in fasting and prayer. They recognized that this fasting, which so many dislike, which requires faith in God, since it makes one feel weak and poorly, is really a divinely appointed means of grace. Perhaps the greatest hindrance to our work is our own imagined strength. And in fasting, we learn what poor, weak creatures we are dependent on a meal of meat for the little strength 
which we are so apt to lean upon. I love that. See, fasting helps us understand our dependence upon God because we have this spoiled brat, this furnace that that begs us all day long, feed me, feed me, feed me. God created that appetite. Food is not evil. But this natural desire, I heard a pastor say one time, the same flesh that craves a cheeseburger when I'm trying to diet is the same flesh that will crave an illicit sexual encounter when I shouldn't have one. So think about this. This carnal body, it desires sleep, it desires sex, it desires food, but then it ties into this ego part of us, which is our soul, and the body can influence the soul, the soul, the body, and how do I kill that nature? I starve it, and I deny it, and I feast on the spirit, and all of a sudden I feel my inner man that, that, that Jesus has sanctified and purified through his blood, it starts to take control, my spirit man, and it, because it's stronger based on the fact that I'm feasting on God, it starts to put to death those things that the, the carnal man craves. And we see how dependent we are. Here's another one. The purpose of fasting is to loosen to some degree the ties which bind us to the world of material things and our surroundings as a whole in order that we may concentrate all our spiritual powers upon the unseen and eternal things. That's such a, an incredible lesson. And that ties into this first point. I just have two points here. Number one, denying the flesh supercharges faith. This is an incredible encounter that we see, and this is uh, Matthew 17, 14 through 21. And when they came to the crowd, a man came to him, um, to Jesus, and kneeling before him said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and uh, often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and corrupt generation. Faithless and corrupt. Another version says, uh, doubting and perverse generation. How long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Uh, Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and they said, why couldn't we cast him out? They said, we've done this before. What's the deal? Like it didn't work this time. What's happening? And and Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here and it will move and nothing will be impossible. But here's the kicker. Now watch this. However, he says, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now watch this, just real quick, great faith lesson. He says, you faithless and corrupt generation or doubting and perverse generation. Listen, faithlessness points to a lack of connection with God. When I'm full of doubt, it means that I have a real weak connection with the Lord. Even if I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I'm gonna get a crown on my head or maybe a headband depending if I had no good works in my life, but I'm gonna make heaven my home but I still can be saved and heaven can be my future, but I can have a weak grip on the Lord. I can have a weak attachment, a very mediocre attachment. But then he says corrupt. So so faithlessness is a weak attachment to God and corruption is about having too strong of a hold on the world. I'm too connected to the world and I'm not connected enough to God. And so he says, here's why certain things won't move in our lives. 
you know, it, this was a demon-possessed boy. But I know there are things in my life. I'm fasting for miracles. I'm fasting during this time, and I'm praying that the Lord would do a work in areas of my life, in my world, and, and the stewardship that he's given me that I know are not going to just move through the average everyday prayer life. That it's going to take a radical commitment to see heaven move. So he says, faithlessness and corruption. And then he, he, he said, here's the cure. You want to cure faithlessness? It's with prayer. Because if your attachment to God is weak, prayer gives you a, a deeper and stronger grip on the Lord. But fasting, fasting helps you break your hold on the world, right? So if you're too attached to the world, fasting breaks that. And if you're doubtful and faithless, then prayer helps that. That's why fasting needs to be mingled with prayer. Um, there are some, uh, some interesting thoughts that we'll get into over these weeks, but the highest and fullest level of prayer is birth from an empty stomach. When my stomach is empty purposely, my, my prayer life comes alive magnificently. And you're going to see that if we commit. Again, fasting isn't about trying to lose weight to get the beach body. It's not about beating yourself up. It's about get, getting closer to God. Let me share this last point and then we'll close. Number two, fasting and prayer present God a womb to birth through. In 1 Kings 16, to paraphrase, there's a guy named Ahab. He's the king of Israel. He rules in Samaria for about 22 years. And the dudes that were before him were wicked. They, uh, they were idolaters. They, they led this nation in the wrong way. And he was worse than all of them. And so God was going to bring judgment against him. So God speaks a word to Elijah, the prophet, in uh, chapter 17 of 1 Kings. And he says, hey, go tell this dude that there's not going to be any rain on the land until I release it. And I'm going to release it, Elijah, when you speak. And so he goes and he says in verse 1, he says, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain um, these years except by my word. Okay. And so then in verse 18, there's a three-year drought and the nation suffering and the word came to pass. And then God sends Elijah again. He says, I want you to give him the word that rain is now going to come. And so he does in chapter 18, verse one, he says it, he declares it, and this process takes place. And then all of a sudden rain comes. The word of the Lord was brought forth from heaven into earth through Elijah. Now this is interesting because James in the New Testament actually goes into a little bit more detail behind the scenes of what Elijah was doing. It says James 5, 16b through 18, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human just as we, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall. None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, now this is interesting. So if God gave a word of drought and God gave a word of rain, then why did he need to labor in earnest prayer? Isn't God's word strong enough and sure enough? Wouldn't God just, wouldn't you just say, oh, he spoke it. I'm dropping off the mail and I'm bouncing. I'm out. Like, good luck with your uh, crops. Why did, why did he hear the word of the Lord speak the word of the Lord, and then go into fasting and prayer? It, it, it's, it's because God has a rule and a law that he has to live by. 
If he's going to bring anything from the unseen realm into the visible realm, if he's going to perform something supernatural, he has a law that he will do it through partnering with a natural vessel. And prayer and fasting are partnering with God over a promise that he's already spoken and wants to bring but needs a vessel. That's why when God wanted to redeem humanity, his plan, salvation. Where would it come from? Heaven. What did he need? He needed a human vessel. Who did he send? He sent Jesus Christ, sinless, Lamb of God. And he sent the vessel so that behind the veil, salvation could be extended and manifested on this side in the visible world in you, you and I's life. And so when you see a promise in God's word, when you have a hope, when you have a desire, when there's a battle to fight, there's a hill to take, and you know the scripture says, this is, this is God's promise. It's not enough to know that God said it. It's not enough to just believe that he said it. It's not enough just to declare that he said it because sometimes fasting and prayer are like a labor room, right? where a baby's being born and, and the baby is there behind the veil and the baby's due, but mama's got to push. And sometimes prayer and fasting are like going into labor. Sometimes it's quick. You know, sometimes it's, it's long agonous labor. Sometimes there's a C-section, but whatever the case, like this baby's coming out. So, so fasting and prayer it's saying, God, I'm willing to labor to see your word come to pass. And there's something that happens when we deny this natural part of us, these cravings, that we enter this birthing process. And I don't know how it all works, but I've seen it in my own life. And I'm telling you straight up, I pray all the time, but I'm not as good at fasting as I should. It's a discipline that, uh, that I'm, I'm ashamed to admit I, I need more of, but I'm excited because I really want to commit to seeing this take place more in my life so I can birth more of the promises that God has. So real quick, here's what we're focusing on, and I'm going to close with this. Over this fast, other than your personal prayer targets, the big theme that we're going to cover over the next four weeks is this. We're believing that this time is going to be a time where we're expecting and believing for and experiencing beautiful repentance, number one. Uh, we're believing that we're going to let God have all of us. Areas we've closed off to him. Repentance isn't a negative thing. Repentance is about believing that God is going to change our mind and allow us to see and feel differently as we give more of ourselves to him so we can take more of himself into us and have a, a stronger attachment on him rather than the world. So a time of beautiful repentance. And then after that, we're believing that it's going to be a time of deep refreshing. Acts 3, 19 and 20 says, Now repent uh, of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. How many out there need refreshing in your life? You're dry. You, you are, you're weak. You're under pressure. Um, I know for me, I, I go through times of refreshing and I have times where it's not so refreshing. And for me, I want to live in more refreshing. I want refreshing in every area, every relationship in my life. So we're going to believe for that. Then we're going to believe that God is going to bring divine refocus. That things that we're looking at, things that we're going after, maybe are good, but they're not God. They're not his best. That when we're refreshed and we're focused, that we can see his word more clearly and his plan for our life. And finally, we're believing for miraculous 
recovery, meaning that we're going to recover what has been lost, recover dreams, um, recover ground, recover territory that's been lost. And so I want you to take this journey, not for my sake, but for your own. And just test it, right? Just test it. Commit starting on Monday, November 9th to give something up. Again, you can go to redeem.church forward slash fast and look at some of the various ways that you can fast. But then commit to increase your time with God. For me, I'm doubling my time with the Lord in, in prayer and the word. Um, my fast consists of kind of more of a Daniel deal, but Wednesdays I'm not eating until after my life group, which ends at about 9.30 p.m. I'll have a light meal before bed. And then I'm not gonna eat Saturday in, until after our evening service. And then I'm gonna do one 24-hour fast and, uh, and then cut out all the goodies. And so um, I don't know what God's gonna call you to do, but I believe that he's gonna bring healing and breakthrough and freedom and miracles reconciliation, salvation, and restoration if we allow him to move. I love you, and uh, I'm going to close in prayer, and we're going to believe that this is going to be a season of great things as we head into the new year. So, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would give us the want to, that you would give us the heart, the passion, the willingness, and that, God, you would inspire us with words that you want to sow into our lives. May we conceive hopeful promises and desires that this fast will um, cause us to see manifest. We ask that we would literally in this next season birth things that we've been wanting, um, but now we're partnering with you in, in such a, a radical way that we see them come to pass. Give us the strength to commit in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. Um, send this on to somebody who it might encourage. We'll see you soon.